The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. There was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. When the wine ran short, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servers, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish ceremonial washings, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told them, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it. And when the head waiter tasted the water that had become wine, without knowing where it came from, although the servers who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves good wine first, and then when people have drunk freely an inferior one, but you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this as the beginning of his signs at Cana and Galilee, and so revealed his glory, and his disciples began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. As a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so shall your God rejoice in you. How many of us have considered the reality of what that says? As a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so shall your God rejoice in you. Imagine the joy of a groom standing up at the front of the church as his bride steps into view for the first time. Imagine the jump of his heart as he views that, and that is the way that God rejoices as he looks at you. In our first reading, we were told that God calls us his delight, my delight. Do we really believe these words? Do we understand them to be a reality in our own lives? So often what happens is the moment we start talking in these ways that God delights in us, that he loves us deeply in all of those different beautiful things that our Lord has said, we begin replying with the laundry list of the reasons why he can't do that. The Lord doesn't delight in me like a bridegroom for a bride. Because of all of these reasons, I've failed. Laundry list of sins. All the ways in which I've stained that white garment that was given to me on my baptism, he can't love me like that. He doesn't delight in me. My brothers and sisters, thankfully, God's joy in us is not dependent solely upon our ability to be perfect as we define it, nor is it dependent on our ability to be sinless, because he's our Savior. See, my brothers and sisters, our Lord Jesus Christ, our God in heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rejoice in you because of your baptism. If he could turn water into wine by his grace, then he took the common water, if you will, of our human nature and by the grace of baptism has transformed it into the joy-filled gift of wine. That he's taken what was just a common human being and made you a son and daughter of his son and daughter in whom he delights. So do not fear nor focus on your faults and failings as long as you're willing to submit them to our Lord Jesus Christ and his mercy. Do not come up with a laundry list of reasons why God can't delight in you, but accept the reality that he does. And from there you will then begin to find healing and a way out of your sinfulness 
and into his joyfulness. But it doesn't just stop there. If we can accept this truth, this reality that we are his espouse, that we are his delight, that indeed he loves us, then that's only the beginning of two, of the, that's only the first part of two parts. You see, in our psalm today, we heard announce his salvation day after day, tell his glory among the nations, among all peoples, his wondrous deeds. Over the last months, I've been really focusing on what it means to have a personal relationship with God. I've been teaching about all the different parts of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, the ways in which we can understand that God himself comes down on this altar to form a relationship with you, to teach you that you are loved and worth it. But that's only the first step. God wants to make us disciples who are also missionaries. We must become missionary disciples who, while receiving God's love, spread it out into the world wherever we go. You see, that flame of divine charity that's hopefully taken into your hearts will only grow as it spreads from you to those around you, your family, the workplace, wherever you might go. See, my brothers and sisters, we're called to be missionary disciples, constantly preaching the gospel. But sometimes the question comes up is, how do we preach the gospel at all times? How can we proclaim the real truth of God himself? I think we can learn from our Lord Jesus Christ in our gospel. Today we witness the first sign of seven from the gospel of John. The wedding feast of Cana, the water turned to wine. Our Lord Jesus Christ did not reveal himself for the first time by raising someone from the dead. He didn't found a church at this moment. He didn't heal anybody. What he did was through the intercession of his blessed mother teaching us the power of intercessory prayer, sanctified the family. Our Lord Jesus Christ knew that if he was going to found a church, if he was going to sanctify the world, he had to start with the basic building block of all society, the family. And so he raised the holy sacrament of matrimony up to the power that God alone can give it, sanctified it, and helped us understand the reality that it offers. So how do we announce the salvation of God day after day to the whole world? We sanctify our families. I'll give you but a few ways in which that's possible, though there are far many more than what I'll say. The first is I think we need to follow our Lord Jesus Christ's example from his own life. You see, this whole miracle, this first miracle in which God began to reveal himself to us in the Gospel of John, took place through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary. I think we need to become true sons and daughters of the Blessed Virgin Mother. Now, we don't do this because we just made it up for ourselves or we just think she's really cool or anything like that. But we do it out of respect for our Lord Jesus Christ, who himself humbled himself to come to us through her womb, who at her yes took on flesh that he could die for us and rise again. We follow his example, for on the cross he gave all of his disciples to his Blessed Mother in the person of John. We honor her as our Lord Jesus Christ has honored her. Not to give her more love than, she, than he does, but to follow his example and honor her as he does. What son does not want his friends to love his mother? And we do the same. An easy way to practically live that out is through the daily ro- prayer of the rosary. To say those prayers, to meditate upon the life of our Lord Jesus Christ with the help of his mother. This is something that formed me throughout my life. It's something that it can form families especially. 
And maybe the whole rosary is too much. It's okay. Start with a decade. Start with one Hail Mary and an Our Father. Start somewhere. Let us show our children true devotion to not only the Father in heaven, but to the mother of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Another way to sanctify our families is to ask the Holy Family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, to pray for us to sanctify our families. You see, our Lord Jesus Christ fully understood that the best way to sanctify a culture is to sanctify the family. And we understand that because what is Satan most attacking in our day and age? He's attacking the family. Everything going on in our society right now is for the purpose of dismantling the family. Everything from abortion to contraception to same-sex unions to everything that's happening. It's trying to make families divided, make them drift apart, break them down. If you destroy the foundation of a building, the walls will crumble. And so we must fight, my brothers and sisters, for the sanctification of our families. And I think the easiest way to do that is, do we pray together as families? Do daily families draw themselves around the crucifix, around our Lord Jesus Christ and his presence amongst us, and fall to their knees and recognize his greatness, his mercy, his love? I think children need to see their parents fall to their knees before a power far mightier than them. That if they see their dad and their mom on their knees before our Lord Jesus Christ and they understand that mom and dad don't have all the answers, but they know the one who does and they'll lead me to him. One way that we can definitely do this is in our houses. Do we live out our faith? Do our houses themselves proclaim the gospel through sacred art? Is the crucifix present in your home? One thing that I recommend often to families is something called the enthronement of the sacred heart and the immaculate heart in your homes. When I showed up in this parish by October, I'd enthroned the sacred heart and immaculate heart for the parish and school. If you look through the main doors of the school, you'll see a large image of the sacred heart and of the immaculate heart. It's because the reality is, is, is I, don't, I don't own this church and I'm not the one in charge. Bishop Vinky is not the one in charge. Pope Francis is not ultimately the one in charge. Our Lord Jesus Christ reigns supreme. He is the king of all. He is the one who's in charge of his church. And so we need to recognize that sovereignty of his. And so we enthrone him along with his queen, his blessed mother, as the king and queen of our homes, of our school, of our parish, of every aspect of our lives. It's a very simple thing. It's just three days of prayer and then the head of the household or the priest can come in and enthrone the Sacred Heart and Immaculate Heart in your home. Setting up a place where the family can gather for prayer. A place of encounter with our God. We need to sanctify our families. Another good way to do such a thing, I think, is we need to redeem the Sabbath rest. What I witness as a young priest with families and the rest is, it's not like we choose to divide ourselves. It's not like we choose to separate ourselves from each other. We just choose so many activities, so many screens, so many different things that just cause us to drift apart. How many families, the moment they walk into their home, drift into different rooms and never see each other again? All with their own form of entertainment, their own form of being by themselves. We need families to gather again as families around a good meal, just like the good food that the Lord provides for us, the food for our souls. We must redeem the Sabbath day of rest, a day in which we don't focus on what work we can do, but we focus on God and family.
We draw ourselves back, as painful as it might be, to actually sit face to face and discuss things, to talk about things, to play games together. We need to reclaim the Sabbath day of rest. And then at least we'll have one day in which families truly spend time together and suffer through each other's presence, if that's how it has to be. But that will teach us true mercy, true love, the reality of family. My brothers and sisters, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit may guide all of us to a deeper understanding of what it means individually to be loved by God indeed, to be His delight. From there, then, I hope indeed our families are sanctified. I hope indeed that through the Blessed Mother's intercession, the intercession of all the saints in heaven, we may come to a deeper sanctification of our families, the basic building block of society and of the church. And with holy families... One day at a time, through the joyful witness of just living out the reality of what family is, as hard as it can be, we will transform this world one day at a time, one family at a time. May the Holy Family intercede for all of us so that our families might be holy, we might witness day by day the salvation of Christ himself.